This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a Wednesday Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like that unusually informed census worker likes to call me, the Fintern. Happy Halloween, stackers! I know it's only Wednesday, but is it ever too early to get into the holiday spirit? My Aunt Tabby's box of Christmas lights sitting in her living room says no. While some people, who I will no longer name, like to skip to the end of year celebrations, I prefer to enjoy the holidays as they come. Looking at all these cobwebs around the basement, at least I know the guys feel the same way. But that's also exactly why I'm excited about the show I picked out for you today. I present to you the Stacking Benjamins Halloween special featuring CFA Rick Ferry's top five investing horror stories. You might not want to listen to these before bed, or with your wallet nearby. As always, the guys deliver some headlines, trivia, and more. And remember, this episode originally came out in 2015, so that $2 million cash giveaway is now over. Congrats, Susan. Fintern out. Live from Joe's parents' half-finished basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's podcast, author of The Power of Passive Investing, Rick Ferry. A scary set of headlines, my trivia, your letters, and lots of Halloween week surprises. And here they are, two guys who are so scary, Joe's mom hardly ever lets them out of the basement. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey there, welcome back to another Halloween week episode. OG, your bag looks very scary today. Put a triangle for the eyes and the little growly face uh, for the mouth. And I'm holding a candle inside this bag to light it up from the inside. But it's getting hot in here. <laughs> it's, it's good. You should discontinue that or make sure your disability coverage is up to date. Yes, sir. So the kids getting all excited about Halloween? The kids? Heck, I'm getting excited about Halloween. That's right. I so, bought 17,000 pieces of candy for our little street. Looks like there's going to be a little extra. <laughs> there, there might be. Isn't that fantastic? We get three trick-or-treaters per year, but that does not stop me. Yep. You're yeah. Going to, you're going to Costco and you're going all in. Oh, it's fantastic. Speaking of all in, man, we are all in today. We got Rick Ferry on the show. How about that with his Halloween scary, scary investing tales? His scary investing tales. All right. Before we get rolling, got to say a big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. It's so easy, so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. Let's get this thing moving. We've got a fantastic Halloween episode today, but first the headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Last Wednesday was Back to the Future Day. How did you celebrate, OG? I chose not to celebrate. That was my way of celebrating. You're Back to the Future agnostic? I, I was in the present. I love this, though, from Investment News. Part of us uh, uh, doing the live from FinCon episode last Wednesday meant that we were not going to be able to talk about this last week. Back to the Future, what the advice industry will look like in 30 years. Thought this was a fun article. So they had different people in the financial realm talk about where they think things are headed in the next 30 years. I love these future looking things you like like future tech well you're the guy who's all about wearable tech the the latest phone the the coolest gadget i don't know that i'm all about the wearable tech i i mean i have an apple watch but there you go see you're all about it that's all it. about it okay. yes 
All right, how about this one? Let's just say whether you think these are going to come true or not. Jason L. Smith, CEO and founder of Clarity2, Prosperity Mastermind Group and Prosperity Capital Advisors, says, we'll be able to ship a prospect or client a pair of virtual reality goggles that they can put on and feel like they're in our office, reading documents, signing their names, smelling the coffee, and looking out the window. (laughs) Think that's going to happen? I actually don't think that that's far off. There was a a story on SportsCenter a couple of weeks ago about a virtual reality training tool that the uh, Stanford University is using for their quarterbacks. Have you, did you see the uh, story on this? No. They put on these virtual reality goggles and they stand in an office and read defenses. It's like one of, with one of those 360 wow. degree cameras. So they go out in the practice field and they set up all these cameras and they run plays and then they put them in random order for the quarterbacks to go, okay, you know, who's your read? Where are you going with the ball? Wow. Since they implemented it, quarterbacks, completion percentage increased from like 58% to 71% or something like that. Just a huge jump. Pretty big increase. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, But yeah, sure. So virtual reality goggles for financial planning. Maybe not virtual reality goggles, but I could see a screen. I mean, video technology will go to the next level, right? Clients will be even more comfortable than a lot of people are now being in a completely different city than your financial advisor. Just looking at them over a screen, tapping on a you look pretty virtual reality, like across the car table from me. It's almost like it's almost like you're two dimensional. Isn't that amazing? It's like just a green screen behind you. This is just my hologram. Is that the ocean? The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's where I would love to be today. In all seriousness, but let's keep moving. Aaron Klein, CEO of Riskalyze. I like this one. He says we'll be able to accurately pinpoint investors' risk tolerance by using the universal computer implant that will sense changes in key biometric measures such as heart rate and adrenaline when they glance at their portfolios. People glance glance at their portfolios, you can see where they are, but seriously, you see these things coming with implants. I mean, couldn't you see that you could write a program that says, hey, we can find out what your true risk tolerance really is instead of what you tell me it is. That would be interesting, except for the fact that I don't want to know what it is when you open your statement. <laughs> Obviously, if it's going down, we need to know what your risk tolerance is before the account goes down. Yeah, good point. Uh, Christy Raines, president of Azimuth Wealth Management, says women will make up 80% of the financial services industry. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch us take over. <laughs> <laughs> women. <laughs> They'll never make it. Women in the workplace. That that's crazy. <laughs> no, that's funny. We know you're kidding, OG. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about 80%, but I would, I'd be willing to stipulate 50. I would too. It's not going to be the middle-class white man's club, right? That, that you'll see a, a lot of. Class. Who are you talking to? You know, middle-class. <laughs> middle-class. I'm way upper-class. Way, if anything, I'm upper-middle-class. Leanne Coburn, Wealth Management Advisor, First Vice President of Wealth Management at Merrill Lynch says, all advisors will have thrown out PowerPoint in favor of simply listening to clients. This one's never going to happen. We'll have learned that behavioral finance is more important than a chart that doesn't resonate. We'll show funny videos and make the whole financial planning experience feel more like a relaxing spa experience rather than feeling like going to the dentist. So this is coming from Merrill Lynch, who doesn't do financial planning very much, to my knowledge, and is a warehouse. Okay. Yeah, how about that? Pearl Stone's glass houses. Let's go. Well, no, no, no. I think it's good to have a change agent in the middle of the uh, hen house. I don't know how to finish that sentence. Middle of the hen house? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Next, Robert Shemansky. Is is Robert Shemansky a real a real word? Is that a real name? That's a name like out yes. of c- central casting. It's like I, uh, put it in the Underhill account. That's the name I use every time I go to a hotel. Like uh, my name is Robert Shemansky. Just in case. <laughs> uh, Robert Shemansky, who's founder and personal financial advisor, Clear Financial Advisor, says. We will tell doubting children and grandchildren how we used to exchange pieces of paper and metal coins for goods and services and how retailers used to exist inside physical stores. And sometimes they didn't have an inventory, the items we now print at home. The 3D printing is pretty sweet. Cool. I saw that at the USAA conference. They had a 3D printer. I'd never seen one working before. Uh, I was actually in a room with it and it was working very slowly making these little, uh, it was cool because in this application, just to show us what was happening, they were making a toy, but it's the kind of toy, you know, it's a, it was like a robot looking thing with arms and legs that pop out, except the difference is, is that instead of like a toy that's manufactured in pieces and then you pop the arms in and pop the legs in, it was manufactured with those already hinged. 
So if you actually did pop it out, it would wreck the toy because it was made that way. It was it was it was pretty pretty incredible. I'm only gonna read one more, and then Thank I you. will have yeah I'll have the note the link here at stackingbenjamins.com. But I love this one from Valerie Leonard at Grinkmeyer Leonard Financial. She says most client meetings will be held via Snapchat in the last about ten seconds. Advisors will hold about 250 meetings an hour, meet with all their clients within a five hour time frame, and I have 29 days off each month for personal development. How great would that be, OG? It's kind of like my schedule right now, except for the 250 <laughs> meetings a That's day great. thing. Uh, speaking of, I said going to that USAA conference, they sent me this. This is via Lisa Severinsen. And, and this is about the military, but it really isn't about the military, which is what, why I wanted to bring this up. Updating legal documents before a deployment. And it talks about the things that the average person needs. And and the reason I bring this up, OG, is I rarely see stuff about estate planning, basic estate planning 101 in the media. So I was glad to see this because especially on Halloween week when we're looking at ghosts and ghouls and never know when you're going to turn into a ghost. So you should probably update your estate. Probably update your Is your estate planning a zombie? (laughs) There's some headline there. Absolutely. They go over a few of these and I'd like you to explain them. The first one is a will. That's something that tells the court where you'd like your stuff to go. They say that most service members will choose the I love you will, where everything goes to their spouse. Yes. Durable power of attorney is the second piece. Durable power of attorney is going to be used to have somebody help you make financial decisions if you're not able to. could be for reasons like you're deployed. It could also be for reasons like uh, you're mentally incapacitated. You smashed your head on the concrete or something. A living will and medical power of attorney. Medical power of attorney is going to be having someone make uh, health care decisions for you if you're not able to do that. And the last one, I don't see a lot. Lisa writes here, a letter of instruction. It says, while not an official document, letter of instruction aids your attorney, in fact, and anyone else who might help manage your affairs. It includes valuable information, such as information on bank accounts, investments, other assets, location of keys and safety deposit boxes, location of documents like passports. I think we haven't quite seen the impact of technology yet on estate planning. You were talking about using Dashlane for your passwords. Right. Think think about how many things you use electronically, how many accounts you have, how many user IDs and passwords for different things, and how impossible it will be. I mean, it will just be impossible for someone to recreate that. Or more importantly, to cancel it or close it. Like how do you close your Facebook account? How do you close your Google account if you're not the one who can sign into it? That's a feature of Dashlane that really I really liked that, that I didn't even think about until I was signing up. There is a feature that says that if I don't check in for five days in a row, it will automatically send the stuff to Cheryl. It'll send, hey, here's how to get into Dashlane. Here's where, you know what I mean? And then she can get into all the things. Just assuming. That is pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, just assuming that if I don't check in for five days, something's going wrong. Do you think that should be longer than five days? I actually thought about that because there was a toggle. It started off at three. I'm like, uh, I could disappear for three days pretty easily. I'm good at that. But five days, probably something wrong if I don't check in. Especially since for me, I sit at my computer all day and I'm logging into stackingbenjamins.com at least once a day, even on the weekends. So if, if I don't log in at all for five days, something probably is going on. You are swimming with the fishes. <laughs> Maybe. All those rival bloggers and podcasters finally rose up. and They finally took us down. They finally took us down. Pitchforks yeah. and torches. I came out of the basement and we had uh, all the other rival podcasters. We games. caught on fire because we saw the sun. <laughs> I just had an assessment recommended to me called the Clifton Strengths. And in it, I found out that learner is my number one strength. And of course, that makes sense because there's nothing that I like better than diving into another masterclass. Ever since I got my masterclass subscription, I have absolutely eaten it up from the cooking shows to running a business with Bob Iger to advertising with Goodby and Silverstein. Uh, By the way, this Goodby and Silverstein class, I now have already watched the videos twice, and now I'm digging into the actual print work that they have with the course and watching them again and and, uh, diving into the community. I have never uh, gone into the community before when it comes to Masterclass, and I have to say I've absolutely loved that part of it. With Masterclass, you, like me, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. 
you learn all the different things that I've talked about already. Uh, uh, humor with, with Steve Martin or with Judd Apatow, as an example. Chris Voss teaches negotiation. Robin Roberts talks about how to uh, be a better communicator. With over 85 classes from a range of world-class instructors, the things you've always wanted to do, it's closer than you think. So I highly recommend that you check it out. Each class you can do in 10 minutes or less if you want to. I watch a video while I'm having breakfast in the morning, and then I'll dive into one in more detail in the afternoon. Get unlimited access to every master class. And as a stacker, you're going to get 15% off the annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash stacking. That's masterclass.com slash stacking for 15% off masterclass. Passive investing, OG, Rick Ferry the king of passive investing. He was doing cool before it was cool, huh? Mm -hmm. Rick Ferry has a long career and has written seven different books, writes at rickferry.com, writes for Forbes, and he definitely has a point of view, which is why we like having him on the show. We haven't had him on, I think, since the two guys in your money days. But it's been a while. It's been a while. But let's say hello. Rick Ferry is going to give us his top five investing horror stories. And Rick Ferry joins us in the basement. Welcome back, man. Thank you. And it's great to be here. It has been too long since you've been here. And what's sad is that we have you here on Horror Story Week. And you, generally people think Rick Ferry, they don't think horror stories. Well, you don't get to be Rick Ferry without having a lot of horror stories in your background. I would think when you talk about horror stories in your background, I'll bet based on Portfolio Solutions, your company, you've had many clients come into your office and there's a horror story just waiting for you to unravel. Normally, there's a horror story there somewhere, and I think that as we get close to that horror story, we tend to back off a little bit because it is almost too hard for the clients to talk about it. So, But I have seen in my 26 years in the business many, many horror stories, and I personally have had a few horror stories myself. Well, that's what I was going to say, though. There is some good news here, which for my 16 years in the business, Rick, is that, you know, these horror stories are more common than people think they are. Like everybody listening to this podcast probably has a little extra junk in their trunk, if you know what I mean, and that they don't want anybody to know Absolutely. about. Yeah. Ghost in the closet. That's right. Good for <laughs> way to stay on point. Much better. <laughs> All right. So you've been nice enough to put together a top five for me. You ready to do this thing? I am ready. Now, these are, I want to say, these are actual things I have seen. These are not made up. These are actual things I have seen in my years in the business. Now, I will say that none of these that I'm going to talk about happened to me. I can give you probably another top five of what happened to me personally. <laughs> but these are people I know, this is, these actually happened. With the names protected to protect the guilty. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> All, right. All right, here we go. Let's go with cheesy British guy here. Number five. Too big to fail. <laughs> are you referring to a government or are you referring to uh, people's portfolios? I am referring to investors who work for large publicly traded companies who have put all of their human capital into that company because they work for that company. They also put all their 401k stock in that company. Plus, they may have restricted stock in that company. Plus, they may have stock options in that company. And they literally have put their entire net worth in that company. And the stock had been going up. So even though they have plenty of money to retire, they won't diversify. And we know the end of this story. Yeah, it's so, so ugly. I had a client back in the day when I was in Detroit, because you and I both used to be in Detroit, who worked for Ford. And he was like exactly what you were saying, Rick. He would not diversify out of Ford. And it went, you know, I think he had Ford at 40 at the time. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Ford, Ford actually survived. Imagine General Motors. Oh. And, uh, you know, I remember Enron, WorldCom, Lehman, uh, AIG. I mean. These were big, strong companies, and uh, people that worked there were watching the stocks go up 
They were becoming overly complacent because, after all, they worked there. And so they knew. They knew if there was going to be a problem, right? Yeah. Until there was a problem. And the next thing you know, they're out on the street without a job, and they have no money left because they've lost it all in their company stock. And they're in their mid-50s, and they're in trouble. Horror story number five. We had a listener ask us about this recently, Rick, and maybe you can weigh in on this. So somebody wrote us that they are this person, right, that has all their eggs in their company basket. Is it best to take it out a little bit at a time, kind of dollar cost average out? And if so, what time frame do you kind of like? Or is it best to just sever it right now and get down to a 5 to 10% allocation if that? Well, I think you should wait until it peaks and then sell it all <laughs> and then diversify. <laughs> you are brilliant. Now, you know, if you don't know when it's going to peak, then it's probably a good idea to just diversify it all right now. Do it now. And that's so painful for the client, isn't it? It is very, very difficult, especially when it's going up and especially when all of their coworkers are just giddy at work because of the amount of money they think they have until the whole thing crashes. Oh, that's ugly. Number four. Number four is, I'm coming, the triple dip estate plan. Triple dip estate plan. How's that work? True story. So this fellow who I knew went in to see an attorney who was going to do simple wills and a simple estate for him. And he put together simple wills and a simple estate, but he noticed the fellow had about $500,000 in retirement savings. So he sent him next door to his buddy, let's use John. I would have said Joe, but we don't want to say that. <laughs> no, Joe's the good guy in the story. Sent next door to his buddy, John, <laughs> who he owns this insurance company next door. And John goes and puts this fellow in high-cost variable annuities in his IRA rollover, which cost about 6.5% commission and about 2.5% in fees, but we're not done yet. Then he takes that portfolio and he gives it to a local money manager who will remain nameless, wasn't us, who charges 2.5% per year management fee, kicks back 1% to the insurance agent. So the total fees per year annually in the portfolio are 5% per year, and he does this in 2007. Oh, Wait, wait on 2007 till the very end. <laughs> and of course, the guy gets out of it in 2009 at the bottom with about $150,000 left. And it was it, a complete disaster. Well, I was going to say, not only that, Rick, when you do those, the high fee annuities, they have a ton of surrender charges to get the heck out. That's correct. That is correct. He got out with about 150000 out of his original $500,000. We have people listening to this show who don't understand why annuities shouldn't be in an IRA. Can you take just a second and explain that? Sure. An IRA is already a tax-deferred account, so you don't have to pay taxes on the growth within an IRA. An annuity is also an expensive tax-deferred type account where you don't have to pay taxes on a variable annuity until you take the money out. So you don't need the double tax shelter, if you will, because you already have it. So in an annuity, I mean, in an IRA account, if you're going to buy funds, you probably want to buy very low-cost index funds. But if you buy a variable annuity and you're buying it from an insurance agent, chances are you're paying a huge commission that, as you said, has huge surrender charges to get out of this thing, sometimes over a 10-year period of time, and huge fees averaging about 2 to 2.5% per year. I mean, it's just a fee upon fee upon fee. But in this particular case, they didn't stop there. They actually then <laughs> took this portfolio and gave it to a money manager to do market timing, which he wasn't very good at. He charged that money manager charged two and a half percent. Let's just going to say, wait a second. The funny thing about that is it's already diversified, I would assume, because it's an annuity in mutual funds. So you've got a local manager managing the manager. That's correct. That's fees correct. upon fees upon fees on top of one of the worst bear markets in history. It was a disaster, a horror story. Well, I knew several high fee advisors, but one high fee advisor told me once from his standpoint, and this is just horrible. He said, you know, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. You keep the fees rake at a point where you can be a leech, but not so big a leech that they need to pick you off. That's just absolutely rotten. Number three. Well, sticking with the insurance industry, I didn't realize I had two on my list, but sticking with that, God's insurance agent. 
God's insurance agent. Okay, so this one actually happened to my family. It's really sad. So the very small local church in Texas had a person come to them to make a donation to the church if he could give a seminar on estate planning. And then he would make a donation to the church, and the church agreed to it. And the fella comes in, and again, it's an attorney and an insurance guy. And the attorney does his estate planning pitch to the congregation. Oh, by the way, this was pitched to the congregation on a Sunday morning, how important it is to prepare your family in case something happens to the person in the family who makes the money. And it sounded very compelling that you should go to this, and the church is encouraging you to go to this, to listen to this estate planning seminar. So they had the estate planning seminar, and unfortunately, I had very close relatives who went. And fortunately, they went to this this attorney afterwards to take a look at some estate planning documents that they already had. I mean, they already had all their estate planning things done. They just went to have him look at it because he would look at it for free as a courtesy for the church, of course, for church parishioners as an act of God, you know, to help them out. Well, but my person who was taken advantage of here was a little older. He was in his mid-60s and his health wasn't very good. In fact, it wasn't very good at all. So the attorney had the insurance fellow come in because they thought it would be a great scheme if they bought life insurance on this fellow who wasn't in good health in his mid-60s and a $2 million policy. Huh? $2 million, $2 million policy to take care of everybody in the family when he passed away because he was the breadwinner. That was the what I was looking for, the breadwinner. So he, the insurance guy sold a policy to this family that cost the family $25,000 per month. The family only had in total savings $250,000. So in the first 10 months, they blew through all of the money that this family had. And of course, the fella who was 65 didn't die. So now they don't have any money and they can't pay the insurance premium, and the insurance company is going to cancel the policy. Luckily, because I was family, I was able to step in, contact the insurance bureau in this particular state. Happens to be where you're, you are right now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was able to, uh, to get it reversed, and this fellow lived for a few more years. So, I mean, they would have been completely bankrupt, and they would have had to cancel the policies because they weren't able to make the premium payments. And it was a complete, utter, total disaster. Again, God's insurance agent. Anytime the church is sponsoring any kind of an investment seminar or insurance seminar, stay away. Well, I think there's another lesson here, too, which is that, you know, you go to an estate planner to have them look at your estate. The second they bring in somebody else, there's something else going on there, Rick. Yeah, it's always an insurance agent. I mean, it always is. So you've got to be very careful because either the attorney owns the insurance company or is affiliated with the insurance company, gets fees from the insurance company, or there's a referral thing going on there where the insurance agent is referring business to the estate planning attorney and the estate planning attorney is referring business to the insurance agent. You just got to be really careful about that. The horror story. I mean, it was terrible. And what's sad, (laughs) and I think the lesson I don't want people to get from this is that insurance is bad because there are definitely times when insurance makes sense. And definitely times, Rick, and it's less and less where it makes sense in estate planning, but that's going to be one out of what, a thousand people maybe? Where it, And you've got a big enough sum of money there where they're talking to you about estate taxes, or they're talking to you about that type of thing. If somebody's got $250,000 and they're just talking to you about leaving people some money. They said it was a good investment a good as long one. as he died. And that's <laughs> another thing I think. If the agent starts talking about insurance and investment in the same sentence, <laughs> I think that's when we have a problem, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with you know, now you can have over $10 million between husband and wife, and really very few people need insurance to cover taxes anymore, not like it used to be. So, But that was number three, three. God's insurance agent. You know, just as an aside, before we get to number two, when I asked you to be on, I wanted some horror stories, but these are way worse than I thought they were going to be. Yet. <laughs> these are actual live. These actually happen. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, before we get to number two, All then, right. what is your favorite horror movie? Oh, I watched uh, Freddy Cougar the other night. I forget what, what do they call Freddy Cougar? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, you know, we watch that all the time, my wife and I. She's really into horror movies, so we, we watch a lot. I can't stand yeah. them. I watch them like once a year. And, <laughs> well, and, it's so bad. 
look, you watch horror movies like you're watching, you know, B-rated movies. I mean, they're so bad that you just have to laugh at the quality. That's true. But I'm not that guy. I'm too busy hiding behind my arm. All right. But, uh, something about getting sliced up with fingers. Well, the big thing about that movie for me, and obviously the hook is, you're asleep. You can't not sleep. That's just great. All right. Ready? Uh, yeah. Number two. My son is a doctor. My son is a doctor. I know where you're going with this. Because I had this one happen to me. I think I know. Let's see if you're going where I think you're going. All right. So I had this woman client who was elderly. Her husband had died. And her son was trying to look after her. Her husband had accumulated uh, about $3 million. And the wife was going to live off of this. So the son who is a doctor, decided he was going to become involved to protect his mother from those big, bad investment advisors. And this is when I was in the brokerage industry, by the way. I didn't have an investment firm at the time. I was working in the brokerage industry. So he was going to protect his mother from those brokers that he had heard so much bad things about. We, meaning myself and my partner at the time, we had his mother in a series of corporate bonds, basically a corporate bond account, high quality, that I personally was managing. I was picking the bonds. And we had the equity with a money manager who was basically a uh, value manager. And this was in the late 1990s. And of course, if you were with a value manager in the late 1990s, you probably didn't do as well as if you were with a high tech growth manager in the 1990s. Right, so, right. But it was appropriate for her. You know, they had a lot of uh, value uh, stocks in there, but the uh, stock account underperformed the market. And uh, the S&P 500, if you want to use that as a benchmark rather than a value index. So the son was very upset about this, demanded that we do something about it. We felt that we were doing what was appropriate for his mother. So he decided to fire the money managers, liquidate the bond portfolio, take over the account with discretion. He had a power of attorney to do that. He got that signed by his mother and started calling into me doing stock options on technology companies. So you can see where this is going, right? <laughs> what could go wrong, Rick? What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong is 2000 comes along, all right? So originally he starts doing well. And of course he is brilliant because he's a doctor and the mother just doesn't know. He takes a $3 million account down to about $300,000 in a matter of about six months. And I sent him a letter when he started doing it. And I said, this is, these are all non, the trades were all non-solicited. I didn't do any of this. And finally, when it got down so low, I ended up going to my office manager. We got the compliance people involved and everything else. And we fired the client. If you can believe that you can actually fire a client in the brokerage. But I had to, yeah. the guy was, he absolutely destroyed his mother's estate. But it was okay because he was a doctor and he was making a lot of money, so he would take care of her. So horror story number two, my son is a doctor. Horror story number two is that your son does well enough to become a doctor, which means he's a financial advisor. Very, he's very smart in everything, and he can fly airplanes too. <laughs> Rick, I got fired in 1999 because by a client who only did 45%. Yeah, well, I know. I can see that. I just, I didn't have anything going on. And I remember sitting with my client telling them I was making the case for diversification, right? Making the case for diversification. And that was clearly not what we needed to do. Cause no, no, I, I, absolutely not. Don't yeah. you understand? Don't you know what's going on? It's we, so clear. Yeah. We were in the new economy, Rick. Remember that? Bologna? Oh no, the new paradigm. The new paradigm. That's right. New paradigm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I remember those days. It's a new paradigm. How many clicks did you get today? The balance sheet no longer matters, right? <laughs> Didn't matter. Cash flow statements, who cares about that? Oh, my gosh, no. All Cash right. Well, four awesome horror <laughs> stories. I can't believe there's one that's worse than those four. Oh, yeah, uh, let me get it up. I got goosebumps, by the way, because we're about to do the number one. Here we go. And I have to get it. All right. All right. Oh, this is even better. I wish oh, we had a right? drummer. Right? Right? Yeah. No, no, no. Right. We got to do this. Here we go. English guy. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> number one. I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> so here it is. I can't think it was around 2003. And my client said to me, I know a guy in New York who is this hedge fund manager. And he's just killing things. The market's going down in 2000, 2001, 2002. And every single year he makes money. 
And he doesn't take money from anybody. You have to be referred to him. And I know a guy who knows this guy who is going to refer me to him. So I'm going to terminate my relationship with you. And I'm going to take my money to this guy. And I asked him, well, what was that guy's name? He said his first name was Bernie. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Madoff or something oh, like that. So, oh. <laughs> And we know the rest of the Bernie Madoff story. Oh, that's But horrible. number one horror story, I know a guy. And I don't know what happened to that client. I hope they get some of their money back, but I just don't know. Oh, that is so <laughs> painful. And reading those stories afterwards, you know, from these people losing everything and putting oh. all their trust in that. What are some warning signs, Rick? Seriously, if, if, if people are not sure about their money manager, what are some of the warning signs that are out there? I mean, I don't know. Hearing about Bernie Madoff, some of the, how slick that went, I'm not sure how easy it would have been to see it coming. But are there warning signs that you've seen? Well, well sure. There's the obvious ones to you and I. We call them obvious, which is you can't draw blood from a rock. In other words, if the stock market only went up 10%, and somebody is claiming to have 35% returns, there's something wrong there. If they said they went up 12%, okay, I might you know, buy that. And then if you look and you see small cap stocks went up 15% and this person is claiming they went up 15%, well, you assume they're in a small cap fund. But this claim that you went up 35% when the stock market only went up 10, there's something wrong there. There's leverage involved. There's some sort of uh, speculation going on, a lot of trading going. You just can't do it. When somebody says, that the yield on this fund is 12% per year and it's safe. It's safe 12% <laughs> yield. I'm sorry. Which, by the way, I just got an email from a money manager who said that I'd like you to look at this fund for me. And they actually, it was, it was the money manager. And he, he sent it and he said, we'll give you a safe 12% yield. But they didn't tell you what kind of yield it was. It was a quote unquote distribution yield, which means you're getting your own money back. Yeah. So you have to understand when they say, I'm going to give you a yield that is higher than, let's say, 2 or 3% right now, you have to question, where's it coming from? They say, I'm going to give you a yield of 8 or 9%. What kind of yield is it? Is it an SEC yield, which is the one that the government says you have to state is the actual yield of the portfolio? Well, if it's 8 or 9% and everything else is giving you 2 or 3 that should be a warning flag. But if it's 12% and somebody tells you this investment is going to give you a yield of 12%, very steady. You ask, what kind of yield is it? And they say, well, it's a distribution yield. All you're doing is getting your own money back. Well, which makes me question the people right away. I don't know that I need to hear more than that, just because of the fact that th then they're just playing a shell game with words, right? Oh, absolutely. That's what it is. Oh, current yield, for example. So I used to do municipal bonds. I used to manage bonds, like I was telling you in the past. I personally used to manage several hundred million of individual municipal bonds. And I had this one client who called me and said, you sold me a bond that had a yield of 3%. It was a 10-year municipal bond at the time for some school district in Michigan. You know, I put that in this portfolio at 3%. And he says to me, I just bought that exact same bond from my other broker and it's yielding 5%. Can you explain that? I said, I can only explain it by what yield was he talking about? Was he talking about yield to maturity? yield to worst, which is the way you have to quote these bonds? He goes, no, he just said it was the yield. Well, it turns out it was the current yield. Right. Current yield is different than total return yield. Current yield is taking the cash flow from the bond. And these are high coupon paying bonds. You take the coupon and you divide it by the price and that gives you the current yield. And he was selling them these bonds based on current yield, telling him that this was the yield he was getting, the current yield. But current yield is not the correct yield you're supposed to use. You're supposed to use yield to maturity if there's no call on the bond. If there is a call on the bond, you use what's called yield to worst. And that's what you are supposed to quote. So I lost this client to that other broker because he was selling the same bonds using different terminology and literally lying to this client about what his return was going to be. What a nightmare. <laughs> well, tell everybody a little bit about your blog, Rick, because your blog is this. It's not all horror stories all the time. It actually is no. it's positive sometimes. It's actually fun to read. Tell everybody about rickferry.com. Well, I'm an investment analyst. That's what my background is. So I'm a CFA and my specialty is in index, index analysis, asset allocation, and putting different types of portfolios together. But I get into things like discipline uh, and philosophy. And so my blog, every week I'll publish a new blog 
on something having to do with uh, investing and portfolio management. So it's an investing and portfolio management blog, and it, it centers around this philosophy of low-cost passive investing. So I'll talk about ETFs sometimes. I'll talk about index funds. The blog that is going to get posted this week talks about index funds and aging. And what I first learned when I came into, when I first had my aha moment and I switched over to index funds, I went to all my clients that I had and I said, we're switching over to index funds. And I found that most of my clients under the age of 60 got it right away. They picked it up. Well, this is the data. It's pretty simple. Let's go to index. But I found that some of my older clients, for some reason, they, they didn't get it. And this really bothered me. And well, I finally learned after reading a lot of research and some of the research that has come out about cognitive ability as you get older and fluid intelligence versus crystallized intelligence and and what happens in your mind as you get older and how you start to make financial decisions based on your experience as opposed to based on what's being put in front of you in new knowledge. And so it gets into things like this as well. So it's kind of an eclectic blog where I talk (laughs) about a lot of different things, but it all has to do with, you know, in the end, it has to do with index fund investing and portfolio management. No, it's, it's fantastic. And if somebody wants more information about your firm, Portfolio Solutions, how do they get that? Well, we have a website, PortfolioSolutions.com. Try to keep it simple. How about that? So my blog is RickFerry.com. I keep it separate from Portfolio Solutions because one of them is just my blog and has my speaking events on there and my books and everything else on RickFerry.com. Portfolio Solutions is strictly the business site for our portfolio management firm. By the way, I'll link to both of those on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com also. So people that are out running or riding their bike or, or on the road right now don't have to pull over and write that down. We'll just have it for them. <laughs> Thanks. So you live out in the wildlands of Texas. I have to ask I you do. this. How many kids come to your house for Halloween? Well, we have some goats in the neighborhood. So if one of them gets loose, they might come to the door. But that doesn't stop you from buying a bunch of candy just in case, right? No, uh, my wife will buy candy anyway just for her. But unfortunately, where we live, they do what's called, uh, well, there's no Halloween, but this trunk trick-or-treat, trunk trick-or-treat. And what you can do, it's a real small town. I don't know if you ever heard of trunk trick-or-treat. But we have a, in the school parking lot of the high, it's all high school, grade K through 12. It's just one school. We only have 800 families in our community. So if you want to, you can go there. With all of your Halloween candy, you pop open the back of your trunk, you decorate the back of your trunk, park next to everybody else that's doing the same thing in the parking lot of the high school, and the kids come there and they do trunk or treat. Hey everyone, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug back with your trivia segment. And if you thought that your local JC's haunted house is spooky, you've never been in Joe's mom's basement. Joe and OG are getting ready to throw their annual Halloween extravaganza, and that is horrifying. What's scary about Halloween? If you said cheesy parties where grown men and women take turns sticking their half-drunk mouths into tepid water to try to bite into the same plain apple five people before them whiffed on, well, not only are you right, but you and I are probably going to be best friends forever. Hey, but because Rick Ferry's here today, we need some investing trivia. Here's a scary one about investments. How often do regular mutual fund prices change? I'll be back with a thrilling answer after I go get another fun-sized Snickers bar to wash the idea bobbing for apples out of my mind. Have you noticed lately that the stress of daily life is up. In fact, I was reading a piece the other day from a top dentist talking about teeth grinding is in an all-time high. In fact, I broke one of my uh, back teeth and have to get that fixed uh, here v- very shortly. But because the stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain, muscle tension, that's a real thing. So that's why I've been using Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's all because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor so quiet, you're going to wonder if it's on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. During COVID, I found that I had these aches all the time, and my Theragun helped me a ton deal with those aches. I really want to get back out to running, and I know after my run, had I had Theragun before when I was doing some of my past marathon training, it would have been so, so much better. Try Theragun for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an 
OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash SB right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash SB, theragun.com slash SB. You and I both know that the way we work together seemingly changed overnight. And if there's one thing we've learned, it's having access to the right resource. That's essential for adapting your business. 2020 has been a year of uncertainty. So how can your business plan for the unexpected? There's so much, so much happening right now. Finding the right talent can be time consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Well, Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. We've used Fiverr here at Stacking Benjamins for a ton of voice talent. We've used them for graphic design. We've also used them for copy editing. We've used Fiverr a ton, and it's always, for us, been just a fantastic experience. Not only can I sort by reviews, by the service, by the deadline, by the price, Fiverr makes it really easy for me to put different providers up against each other and decide which one I want to go with. I don't mean that they battle it out. I mean, I get to look at each provider and then look at the next one and look at the next one until I find the right person for whatever our gig is. So whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. Find what you're looking for instantly. It's easy. Customize your search by service, deadline, price, seller reviews, and more. No more guessing games. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront. No negotiating needed. 24-7 customer service, a network of quality talent you can count on. Freelancers, of course, have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, including Stacking Benjamins. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using our stacker code SB. Find all the digital services you need in one place, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Use code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code SB. All right, trivia warlocks and ghosts. Here was today's trivia question again. How often do regular mutual fund prices change? The answer is daily. Mutual funds calculate a new price at the end of each day based on a measure called the net asset value. And that's calculated by figuring out the fund's total net assets divided by the number of shares. But here's a real horror story. The only time stock shares stop moving is at the end of the day. So that's the only time they can recalculate. And why is that so scary? Here's why. That's also the only time you can get in or out, and that can be the scariest part of investing. And now you know why I'm the real brains behind this podcast. See ya! And Doug just brought down the mail. We get letters on the show. And hey, Nick Clements coming down the stairs for Magnify Money. Hey, Nick. Hey, Joe. Uh, where's OG? You know, he had to go get some water, but he'll be right back, man. But, but, but how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. Well, hey, I'm glad you could stop by because I wanted you to weigh in on Carol Rolini, who came down to the basement a couple of weeks ago and was talking about the fact that American banks, and for people that missed this, Carol said that the American banking system is built on the backs of the little guys. They discount services for the rich. And in other economies, we have these, these little technology companies that are really making in, inroads in Africa and the Philippines and places like that. Immediately when she started talking about that, Nick, I thought about you because you're on that train. Mm-hmm. Well, and I used to work for Barclays uh, in London, and it had a big business in Africa, um, but big for the wealthy, uh, for the elite. And Barclays really just did not even try to serve 90% of the population. And it wasn't because Barclays didn't want to. It was because Barclays couldn't afford to. And I think what you see is that traditional Western banks, Western Europe and in the United States, have really expensive cost base, which means the cost per customer is, is so high that you either need to have a whole lot of money so that the banks can make enough money to cover that sort of variable cost, or you get charged big fees. And, and, and what's happening in Africa, for example, if you look at M-Pesa in Kenya, is people said, well, instead of building this really expensive banking infrastructure, 
how can we do it cheaper and completely ignore the banks? And so you see mobile payments. And now you can be in the middle of an African village in M-Pesa. Two people can make a transaction and just text the money to each other, completely avoiding the costs and infrastructure of banks. And you're starting to see that here in the U.S., for example, with marketplace lenders, right? Because what marketplace lenders are doing is they're saying, well, wait a minute, it's really expensive for traditional people to, to go out and borrow. But really, all that a bank does is connect people who have money with people who need to borrow. So why can't we build something outside of the traditional banking sector, all digital, to lower that cost of service to give to give everyone a better value? Where do you see this headed, though, Nick? Do you see the traditional banks finally, like one day they wake up and they just go buy these firms like, you know, happens in most technologies or or these new tech companies going to make such inroads that they'll be competitors with the big banks? I actually think it's going to be a bit of both. You know, I, I think there are some companies in the marketplace lending space that are so far ahead right now and have raised so much capital. I mean, SoFi, for example, just raised a billion dollars of equity. Right? They do not need to sell out. They now have enough dry powder to go out there and build a true competitor to large traditional banks. However, there are a lot of traditional banks out there that are not going to go away. You know, they may see their traditional businesses come under pressure, but they can very quickly buy maybe some of these second tier platforms that have been built to help them adjust. And there are also going to be banks that haven't traditionally been active in this space. Look at Goldman Sachs saying, you know what, we can go out and build a digital low cost lending and investing business. And we're going to go out and compete against traditional consumer banks. So, I, I th- you know, the, the big traditional banks, they're not going to go away and disappear. Some of the, the folks who are trying to change the world may just end up selling to a bank. But I think we're going to see some new names established uh, and, and be here for the long term. You know, it's funny, but we talk all the time about people with high credit scores. And obviously, as you know, we, we tell them like you do to go to SoFi. I'm sitting here at the Magnify Money site. When I put in my credit score is excellent. Immediately, you've got SoFi as number one. But we don't talk a lot about people just with an average credit score. And, and when I when I click on average credit score, this top one, I can never pronounce this right. Is it Avant? Avant, yep. And, and here's another great example of innovation in the marketplace lending space for people who don't have perfect credit scores. And if you think about historically, if you needed to get a personal loan, and let's just say you had a 620 or a 650 credit score. You know, typically, you would end up at a place like One Main or Springleaf. You have to go to a physical branch. You go through verification. You're going to be you know, sold insurance products on top that you, you may or may not understand. Uh, there's an origination fee up front. And Avant has, has basically stripped all of that away. Uh, you know, you can figure out if you can be approved or not without hurting your credit score. There's no origination fee. You can get your money the next day. And they've just done the same thing. They've created a digital low cost platform to go out there. Now their rates, you know, they start low at nine, but they do go high. But you just have to compare them to what you would have been paying otherwise. Because what what this whole marketplace lending business is doing is it's saying we're going to take out costs. And us as the middlemen, we are willing to take less money than banks have taken as in, in terms of profit. And so, for example, Lending Club's another good example, um, which will also go deep in terms of credit. And on average, the interest rate reduction from a traditional bank to Lending Club is 31%. Holy and, hell. And as a challenger brand, it's easy to do that. If, I, you know, if I'm right. sitting at a large traditional bank, my job is to make more money next quarter than it is this quarter. So, so any cost that I take out, I'm going to want to keep to the bottom line of my business rather than pass along to consumers because I have to show earnings growth. Whereas a challenger coming in, right, is more than more than happy to to have a lower absolute profit margin, but but be growing because it's taking market share from the the existing players. And, and Pureform is number three. They're also a peer to peer lender, right? Yeah, almost almost all of the good deals that you'll find there. Will, will be in this marketplace space. I mean, when, when I came here from London, I, I didn't even think about peer-to-peer lending, marketplace lending. Um, I was just thinking about, let's, let's go out and find the best deals. And, and it just became you know, immediately obvious that the absolute best deals across most categories are from these new fintech startups. I mean, th- this isn't the 1990s where you have sort of questionable value uh, and, and questionable profit models. These, these are real businesses um, that are offering superior value to consumers. Hey, if you've got questions for Nick, by the way, uh, send those to me, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. And we'll, we'll definitely have Nick come back down to the basement and answer some questions, whether it's about comparison, shopping, your student loans, personal loans, uh, auto loans, small business loans, checking accounts, savings accounts, whatever it might be. 
uh, uh, credit cards. Uh, we'd love to. We'd love Nick to have you answer people's questions if you could. Sounds good. Yeah. Just bring uh, it next uh, time. <laughs> hey, so uh, what are you dressing up as for Halloween? A big bad banker? <laughs> no, I've 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 retired those costumes completely. So. <laughs> The tie is gone. Although, although I'm still not sure I can convince uh, I can convince a trick or treater to take candy from a banker. We'll we'll see. <laughs> hey, OG, you're back, man. Hey, what's up? Yeah, Did I miss anything? Uh, you missed Nick Clements was just oh. down here. He said hello. Well, hello to Nick. I know. Uh, so. But back to reviews, people are nice enough to leave us reviews. It's so kind because that helps us find new listeners. Uh, Listen to this one. The next one in order comes from Matt72414. Great info and podcast. Great podcast with relevant and timely info. As much as they say they don't teach, I always learn a lot from them. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks, Matt. I I have have a real issue with people naming their kids with numbers. I just don't understand it. I know. Matt, 72414. I feel bad for the guy. It's like he's a prisoner or something. Speaking about, you know, we talked about getting beaten up because by rival podcast gangs. Imagine being in elementary school with a name like Matt, 724. What are you, a cyborg? (laughs) I am Matt, 7241873. And everybody knows cyborgs don't learn either, so... They already know everything. Maybe maybe he's putting us on. If you could, if you have a moment, please uh, leave us a review at uh, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that helps us find new listeners. That's it, man. We did it. I think my biggest lesson is, holy cow, don't go to a church uh, function or to an estate planner where they recommend you to an insurance person. That's what I got out of Rick Ferry. Like the second an estate planner or the church function recommends somebody, you are in deep. Just some absolute horror stories. That's what I'm going in. Going as is for Halloween. Oh, we talked about that. I'm going to go we as did. an insurance salesman. Yes. Ed Ryerson from Groundhog Day. A friend of mine. Ned. Ned Ryerson. A friend of mine back in Michigan said that the best way to crowd a restaurant to get a table is to walk up to a table with four people sitting at it and say, hey, my name's Joe. Uh, I sell life insurance. Uh, you guys got a second? Oh, hey, we got an empty table. That's what I do on airplanes. So when, <laughs> when, sometimes I don't feel like being chatty, like pretty much all the time. You're like, I sell life insurance. I do. I totally, I go right to it. I get, they say, well, what kind of business are you in? I said, well, primarily life insurance sales. When was the last time? And by the time I get to when was the last time they're like, headphones are on. They're like, wow. Nah, we're beating up life insurance people here. I know. There's, we should, a need, there's a time and a place. There is. And there are great life insurance. You and I both know great life insurance people. Like me, I'm a great life insurance. Person. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the one number one thing you think people should have learned today, OG? Yeah. So for me, the biggest thing is uh, from today was you have to review your estate plan in conjunction with your financial plan. You know, that was a great article about deployment, but a lot of times there's other things that happen in your life that need a uh, review of your estate plan. Did you buy a house, kid went to college, kid was born, all these different life events that can happen. And this is a great thing to review with people that are a generation ahead of you too. talk to mom and dad and say, Hey, out of curiosity, something happens to you guys. Who's in charge? What do we do if you guys need medical help? Like, what do you want to have done? It's a great Thanksgiving conversation. Uh, really fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, I suggest you do that right at the beginning of dinner to make the rest of it completely awkward. <laughs> talk about talk. that and talk about religion and politics. So I'm going to do like estate planning first. And then go into, and what do you think about Jesus? And then and then go right into, boy, that Hillary Clinton. I mean, those, those three things dovetail real nicely together. And uh, you'll be in for a great holiday dinner. It's especially if everybody's staying in the same house all weekend, right? Coming up on Friday, our big scary story roundtable. Greg McFarlane, Paula Pant, special guest from Yahoo Finance and the brand new Brown Ambition podcast, Mandy Woodruff coming down to the basement. Actually, she's not coming to the basement. She'll be on my dad's shortwave. We'll see everybody on Friday stacking more Halloween Benjamins.
This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC, copyright 2015. The show is edited by Josel Sihai and Isabella Bianca. Special thanks to Rick Ferry for coming to the basement. You'll find his book, The Power of Passive Investing, and a link to his firm on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. The people responsible for this show have been sacked. We went to Shreveport with friends to watch. Is there gambling there? There is. <laughs> there are. River- when was the last time you went gambling in Shreveport? In long, I've never gone gambling in Shreveport. I've just so, always so driven ever, by. Like yeah. the longest time imaginable. Yes, never. Infinity. Infinity, okay. right. So, but we went to Shreveport. There's a really nice Mexican restaurant. Fantastic, by the way, Mexican restaurant called Superior Grill. And uh, there was also a movie playing there that was not playing at our Cinemark, uh, Walk in the Woods. And a bunch of my friends had read the book. It's about uh, two guys, Robert Redford and Nick Nolte. Ah, yes. Nick Nolte. Some of those uh, bucket list movies. Yeah, walk in, the, walk in the Appalachian Trail. So anyway, I won't talk about that movie. But uh, what should, I will... Should, we'll say, should we watch it or not watch it? Like, give one... I thought it was kind of boring. Kind of boring. Got it. Yeah. Don't watch it. Skip yeah. it. Go. Yep. I, I heard the book was really good, but As not. quite often is the case. Yes. So we're driving home, and we actually accidentally, totally accidentally fall into a political discussion and in the car with your friends in the car with our friends great friends who never talk politics and 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 one person in the car said something and somebody Somebody else sneezed and said planned parenthood (laughs) (laughs) but somebody else said something and next thing you know they're starting to have this discussion back and forth and you can see it even among good friends starting to heat up and then it was nice my friend malcolm uh, uh who's a wonderful guy goes, hey guys, how about those baseball playoffs? Like right in the middle of it, just totally goes, how about the baseball playoffs? And everybody kind of laughs. And then my friend Todd goes, aren't those the things you don't talk about? You don't talk about like politics and religion and and uh, what's the other one? And I said, sex. <laughs> and then my friend Malcolm says, oh, no, no, we can talk about sex. <laughs> let's, let's, let's have a great discussion. I'm okay with talking about sex. Way better than talking politics or religion in a car. I thought that was very funny. We all got a good laugh, and it just totally, this, and these, this is a group of people. I mean, we have, you know, the New Year's together. Uh, we do everything together, and, man, you just, that discussion just all of a sudden just whoop, went to a, a heated point, and then it's like we popped the balloon, and everything was great again. I can't wait to do this for Thanksgiving. We're hosting a lot of people for Thanksgiving, so we're going to kick it up a notch. On purpose. Oh, totally on purpose. This next year, it's going to be rough that way, though. I can't. I don't watch any of that crap. To be honest with you, like it, it is not. None of this matters. This is reading the the playbill before the music has even started. Right. Like, like you go, oh, okay, that person's playing Jasmine today. Okay, that's neat to know. I didn't. I wouldn't know the difference between that Jasmine or a different Jasmine. I guess. But until the actual main event starts, did you see on one of those late night shows they were they were talking about the Canadian election? And about how, oh, the election campaign was longer than it's ever been. It might have been John Oliver, where, where he's showing this clip uh, from Candace saying, it was the longest campaign ever. It was 78 days. It goes back to John Oliver. He's like, 78 days? Aren't Canadians cute? <laughs> yeah, that's really cute. 78 days, and that's long and drawn out. That's great. We've got over, over a year to go. Yeah, I know. We've got a year to go, and it's already been, what, a circus. Or six months? It's already been a circus, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, that's all the politics we'll do on this show. See everybody next time.
Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.